Welcome to Highway to Well, a new podcast from Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, the founders of the iconic juice brand Blueprint. Hear their candid conversations and tales from the trenches as they swap stories with entrepreneurs and wellness leaders alike. Tune in weekly as they inform and amuse. And now, here's Zoe and Erica. Obviously, we need some context before we talk about other things that we have opinions about. And so today, I, Zoe Sakutis Heisenberg, <laughs> I don't actually hyphenate, but I am married. So I'm going to talk <laughs> Just... about myself. Erica Haas is going to talk about herself. We're going to hear her story, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, what better way to do it than through the eyes of a third party, which is Ms. Jordan Smedberg. An objective third party. Yes, totally objective. <laughs> She's doing some amazing things with our site and our content, and we thought it would be a really nice way to introduce her as well as have her introduce us. Yeah, and I've also known you ladies pre-Blueprint days, so I think that makes me uniquely qualified. The good, the bad, the (laughs) juicy. Yeah, she's seen it all, actually. So Jordan and I actually met each other our first day of college here in Manhattan, two tall girls just sort of spotted each other from across the room. We're like, do you want to spend the rest of your life together? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, technically, we lived together for 10 years. And I think in some states that makes us legally married. But we've since grown apart, at least geographically. Well, you made room for some fellas in your world. Yeah. (laughs) Nice to round it out. So Jordan is definitely coming to the coming to the stage with the full picture. She knows what's going on. All right, so can I start asking some questions and probing the depths of, totally. of your past, Please your history? Take out your probe. Okay. Oh, <laughs> bend over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we should just start at your beginnings of how you guys met. It's a nice segue because it's not that different than the way you guys met, which is <laughs> on our first day of training at the Hudson Hotel for the opening the, the bar. Kind of similar, like two tall girls see each other across the room and be like, what is the <laughs> shit that we just got ourselves into? Should we be friends? Tall girls unite. <laughs> it is. It's a thing. Well, it is because that's the same reason why if you're standing in line somewhere, somebody will inevitably use you as a landmark to walk in front of you because you're the tallest point that they see. Mm. It drives me insane. <laughs> but anyway, sometimes it leads to good things, which is Zoe and I coming together as friends. Right. Friends. And then uh, what year was that? Do you know? Do it you remember? the year 2001. Yeah. What were your first impressions of, of Erica? I said, who is this magnetic creature? <laughs> who is this Stunning beauty. In comfortable shoes. In sensible shoes. <laughs> Who is a stunning girl in sensible shoes and mom jeans? No, I'm kidding. You know, when you're working, I think, in like a hospitality, any kind of like service industry job, there is this sort of like immediate kind of family is mm-hmm. formed because you work late and there's like, it's fun. There's, and you're drinking a lot. There's drinking right. and there's, you know, there's sort of you against the, yeah, there's a you against enemy. the bar. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like all the other junk people. <laughs> and so to, you know, do that job with somebody who had a wonderful sense of humor, a sharp wit, and a little, you know, a little soft shoe. We do some tap dancing out there sometimes. <laughs> it made it just very pleasant. 
Yeah, I think we got lucky. I, we were the first team in that particular um, section of the hotel and the bar. And I think like with any opening team, right, you sort of, it just feels like there's that sense of everybody got here at the same time. We all started from the same baseline. So mm -hmm. it has that nice sense of camaraderie. We used to hang out. We hung out outside of work. We hung out at work. And then the first sort of layer of the mystery that was Zoe was revealed when she started bringing her, you know, her raw food snacks into the bar and nobody knew what like raw food foodist was or raw food and it was all of this cool interesting snacks that had no labels and no packaging it was just kind of like a little cellophane crinkly package with something sprouted and brightly colored and crunchy or salty or whatever and there was a lot of educating that Zoe yeah. was doing from a very early point and I, I would say I was an early disciple because I was just like well I like healthy stuff I eat low-fat yogurt I do <laughs> yoga um, what can she teach me and I was like oh my god do you want to come to quintessence with me yes. so I cannot eat lunch by myself every day at the <laughs> only raw food place in Manhattan. And we totally did. Yeah. Okay, so what was the, like, earliest... I'm trying to think of the earliest memory I had of you where I was like, yes, I want to keep this relationship going. And I think it was when I discovered that you had a showgirl background. Mm -hmm. The Branson, the headpiece, the whole nine, the musical theater... That really was my love at first sight moment. Dirty little secrets revealed yeah. <laughs> often bring people closer together. Yeah. Well, I would say that's one of the big things that you guys share, aside from height and an interest in health and wellness, is this musical, soft shuffle, tap dancing, showgirl. Love of the arts. Yeah, love of the arts. Love of the arts, I love... think it's a little... So it sounds more respectable. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit... Yeah. Showy. Yeah, I think we learned early on that karaoke brings the world closer together and we set out to explore the many opportunities that we could have to sing and make complete asses of ourselves at a very early point in our relationship. And, yeah. you know, I think that really is, that's the glue right there. Mm -hmm. It's so, called harmony. It is called harmony. Like, what was the first conversation between you guys about maybe starting something? Take me back to that moment. I mean, uh, I remember very vividly. Let's have it. I would, yeah, I want you to tell your story. But I, when I was brought into the conversation was a night that began at La Esquina. Oh. Sitting at the bar, drinking some tequilas, eating some yummy Scooby snacks, and Zoe telling me about this, you know, idea. I think you'd just come back from Ann Wigmore, maybe, or it was somewhere in the, in the recent experience that this whole idea that you have to remove yourself from your life in order to do a juice cleanse and do a program that helps you sort of hit reset was something that, you know, you felt just like, why does this have to be something that's so extreme? And why does it have to be something that is only available to people who actually can take a couple weeks out of their lives or however long it takes? And isn't there a way to simplify it? And isn't there a way to just bring it to the masses? And I remember so vividly, like we walked from La Esquina, I think we walked like, it felt like three hours. We just walked all around New York and like walking across Houston Street and walking everywhere. And you're just like, kind of, I could see like all of the brain waves just starting to like, you know, unfold and click and you're just talking more about how this concept of, you know, there's this juice and it's a program and you just, you put it in bottles and here's the way that you make money and here's the margin. And there's so many ways that this can just be kind of amazing option for people that hadn't otherwise thought about it. And at that point I was working, in addition to working at the hotel, I was working in PR doing like food and wine stuff. And so that was kind of the point in the conversation that Zoe brought me in was like, you know, I think there's some stuff for us to talk about here and, and, you know, the relationships and the conversation and the 
communication and uh, these are things that you know. And so, I mean, I know I've encapsulated probably multiple conversations into one, but I do remember the walk, the, the promenade from La Esquina. God, was what very was pivotal. I wearing? It sounds lovely. I want to do that right now. <laughs> Getting Such drunk talking finger. about wellness. Exactly. <laughs> so then, Zoe, what got you to that conversation? So, yeah, that was like 2006 summer that was happening around this moment where Blueprint was coming together, at least in like a, in the way of a name and the way of like a formula. And I was working out of some juice kitchen. It no longer exists, but it was in Dumbo. Uh, yeah, I was just fortunate enough to sort of be able to test some formulas out of this kitchen for like free somehow. I don't know, some goodwill thrown my way. And so I had a random group of women in Darien, Connecticut or Greenwich, Connecticut, who were very interested in raw food and cleansing. And they signed up and they kept signing up and they kept coming back. And they were sort of, this is amazing. And they kept telling more people. And it was, oh, wait a minute, there's this repeat happening. And so I think there's like some traction here. And I think there's some like real legs for this concept. And like, okay, let's like tighten it up get out of this juice kitchen, get into a real or a realer juice kitchen because that one was actually about to go out of business. Yeah. So there was just this like nice momentum happening very organically with this group of women. And, you know, they were providing like a ton of feedback, which was super valuable. And, you know, it's like these super type A like ladies who lunch and then like cleanse up in Connecticut. And they, as you could imagine, had like lots of info to share, but it was very helpful, very instrumental. And then I think there was a moment where, you know, Time Out New York caught wind and they were like, we want to write a little like this is all pre-social media. Right? right. So it was like kind of a big deal. It was like, oh, my God, <gasps> Time Out New York wants to write about the cleanse. And then I they like asked me if I had a press release and I was like, what's a press release? <laughs> and then, oh, wait, Erica knows what a press release is. She's in <laughs> PR. And I really enjoy the sort of moving pieces of all of this. And I like kind of putting it together and concepting and branding and all that stuff. But then it was, ooh, I have to go and talk to these ladies. And like, I had to go up to Greenwich at one point and have, you know, a round table with all of them and kind of like have this sort of, this is like the nutritional consultant who's going to come and like talk to you about X, Y, and Z. And I was just like, the relationship building, like the schmoozing, kind of politicking, that piece of it was not my, that's not my strong point. I'm just a little too blunt. I don't have the tact or like the patience for that stuff. Erica is very skilled at that. Well, let's, let's you know, draw the distinction between relationship building and politicking. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Erica's really good at bullshitting. She is full of shit. No, I'm kidding. No. Everybody has their strengths, Listen, Erica. I, no, I just have like so much. I'm not politicking because it's the wrong word. But I think just sort of relationship building and that sort of, see, there you go. See how... I've used the wrong word. No, but I think that to your point, I think something that I felt like when I was when I was working in PR and I realized that I mixed my memories and I was only working in PR at that point and not still in bars. But my whole thing was, you know, I understand what this business is and I don't really love all of it. I get really excited when I'm talking and, and working on behalf of the clients and the products and the brands that I genuinely believe in as opposed to it feeling like I'm doing my job here by like putting forth the right, you know, communication around this particular concept. So the stuff I really believed in, it was very easy for me to talk about and very easy for me to build those relationships. So when, you know, obviously when this kind of 
presented was presented to me. I was like, fuck yeah, I totally, I'm totally behind that. I'm totally behind you. I have full faith that this is like something exciting and real. And what it actually is is something that I genuinely believe in. And I felt like, you know, I could be the target audience for this. So anyway, to that point, mm-hmm. I politicked the hell out of that. Politicked the shit out of that. <laughs> Major props for that. And I actually, I still remember that. And then I was, oh yeah, this is going to be a great partnership. We're super complimentary. The first line of the press release that you wrote for me was sound your blenders. <laughs> I don't Do you remember, remember that? <laughs> and I was, oh, we're going to have some wordplay fun with this brand. Oh my God, I totally don't remember you that. You don't? No, but I'm glad you do. Burned awesome. in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, blenders. will you be my work wife? <laughs> okay, so to back up even further than that, what was your first spark of Blueprint? I was into raw foods and this sort of idea that you could heal yourself with foods and use it as medicine and a tool. And, you know, I sort of stumbled upon that world through my boyfriend at the time, who was, you know, California hippie. And I adopted it. So, I mean, I definitely was, I had this whole education where I myself became this big believer, obviously, and was like, holy shit, this is amazing. I've never felt better in my life. It's amazing how good you could actually feel when you start to omit certain things, you know, include these other things. It was so basic, but um, it didn't exist. So there was definitely a lot of, you know, I thought that was a huge opportunity. But while I was doing it, yes, to your point, I was doing it because it just made me feel good. I was like, I'm not going to really overthink this. I mean, I definitely had my own sort of education and read all I could on the subject of raw foods and wheatgrass therapy and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, it was I'm doing this too because it makes me feel good. And I think people were so kind of curious about that basic idea. And it's just so basic. It's wait a minute, wait a minute. And it has a shocking title, right? Like now I think we call it plant-based and it's somehow it's some it's more acceptable. But what you're talking about is raw food, right? It, it's the same thing. Raw food is just like a slightly more scary name. You know, it is definitely a little bit stricter, but the concept is basically the same. And I think people were aggressively curious. And I kind of just found myself in the situation where people like constantly asked me questions about like what I was eating. And it was interrogation. Like, why are you eating that? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's then you are somehow telling them that what they're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And which is not what I was trying to do. But indirectly, it was, well... Well, I think yeah. it was interesting is that it certainly made me question, okay, well, I think I'm eating healthy because I eat a lot of salads and I don't eat, you know, I don't really like red meat and I have my like my own pleasures. I love cheese and I love drinking wine and I love all of these things that could be perceived as not unhealthy, but certainly not, you know, best foot forward. But I think learning a bit more about what it was that you were into and the sort of ethos behind it, it just opened an entire new chapter and a new layer to me of, oh, I never really thought about the fact that cooking something to a certain degree actually compromises the nutrients. I never really thought about the nutrient density of my food before. And it was little pieces like that that just felt so powerful as information I felt like learning about food combining for the first time like yeah totally blew my mind and as soon as I actually experimented and tried and see how I to see how I felt I mean I was a believer from day one I was just like oh this shit works like no wonder I don't feel well as well when I eat you know that meal I found myself literally listing out all of the restaurants that you could go to in the city that have raw food or things that you could eat if you want to sort of adopt this style of eating. The food stores that you, there were like two that you could go to. (laughs) And I was just like, this is like kind of becoming a little bit of work, but I'm like, people want it. Okay, they're curious. They want it. 
it's making them feel good. Wait a minute. Why don't I figure out how to make some money off of this? <laughs> what a great way to make money if it, you can make people feel well. Hmm, I think there's something to this. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely started percolating from that point. And that was while I was cocktail waitressing. And then again, it, you know, it was definitely that moment where it was, this is the formula. This is the very practical, like this is what you eat and what you don't if you want to do this. But when you zoom out a little bit, it's like, well, let's think about reality and like lifestyle, right? I like raw food and I eat that way, but I also like a cocktail. Mm-hmm. And I live in Manhattan and I like to have fun. And like health isn't just about what you eat. It's also about how much you laugh and what you do and the joyful moments. So I had some like conflict around it for sure, more like socially. How is this going to be expressed? And I think Blueprint was the, at least in tone and like how you apply it, was the answer to that. It was sort of solving that problem or that question of, hey, how can I adopt this way of eating or being or feeling well, but not compromise all, you know, this whole other side to my life, which is just, I want to have fun. I want to have a drink with my friends. I want to go out and like run around and do fun shit. So it was kind of, let's use it as a tool. Let's make it something where, It's presented properly. There's like good packaging. There's good language. It's not dogmatic. It's nice to hold. It's like you're as proud as you are to carry like an iPhone. And you don't have to do it all the time. Use it, you know, as a tool, like a cleanse, like quarterly. Do it three days. Do it five days, whatever it is. So it's kind of like the application of it, I think, was, oh, okay. This is how it should be presented. And so... Can you give me some of like the most exciting moments during Blueprint when it was like up and running where you thought like, holy shit, this is really happening? To Zoe's point, when we first started seeing the repeat clients, we were definitely counting on them based on her previous experience with the test market in Connecticut as, oh, people will come back for more. But I think our minds were blown as to the frequency and the Mm. speed in which they would come back. So it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I'll see you guys next month. It was like, oh, no, next week I'm ready to do three more days, five more days, whatever it was. It was frequent. It was frequent and it was like we were seeing them and every time they would come back, they would have three more friends that were interested. So that was super exciting. We had some early press that I think helped to really get the word out quickly. But I think one of the most pivotal was when we got a segment on Lauren Glassberg. She still does it. She does the segment where she goes and, you know, interviews a cool business or a cool restaurant or whatever. She's super up for experience. It's like ABC News. And so she came into the kitchen. It was a quick segment and it ran on the five o'clock news on a Tuesday. And we were like, awesome. Our whole clientele is totally at home watching Channel 7 at five (laughs) o'clock on Tuesday. We're like, fuck this. And then it got picked up in taxi TV and it ran overnight. And my phone blew up the next morning. I'm like, who are all these people? And I'm getting like celebrity assistants and like celebrities that I had to Google. And then once I Googled, I was like, holy shit, these people are really coming out of the woodwork. People are leaving voicemails like, I saw you guys on taxi TV. It was 3 a.m. I was coming home from a bar and it was like a sign. It was a sign. I need some juice. And it happened over and over and over again. And I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. I think we're onto something. This is really happening. Again. And like pre-social media. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like the most exciting part. Yeah. It's the New York equivalent of like hearing your song on the radio. But you're totally. Yes. <laughs> totally. God. And then it sort of like bubbled. And then I think it was Daily Candy. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. But that was like 2007, yep. October. And it was explosive. It was like equivalent explosive. to Oprah's book club. Our website broke. Everything broke. blew up. Yeah. We hired a friend with an English accent to come and help answer phones because we thought it would make <laughs> us sound fancy. We gave her a flip phone. And it totally worked. An illegal pad. <laughs> yeah, that was October 1. That was a big fucking deal. 
Well, you were talking before about how you guys are different. These are things that, you know, you'd attribute to your success. I mean, we know each other so well at this point, which is, you know, one thing I love about working with Zoe is that I know sort of what's coming into the room just based on, you know, I, I know like what she was doing yesterday. Like I know when she had that appointment. And so uh, the fact that we know each other that well, I think really does help to sort of navigate our own relationship. But it also helps us anticipate what decisions are going to be prioritized and all that. So in just in terms of creating a rhythm in working together. But I also think that we tend to have our on and off switches are pretty coordinated in every way possible. There's no way that this isn't going to sound gross, but like we fill in each other's holes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Blueprint's going amazing, gangbusters. Why did you guys decide to sell? Oh, God, Erica, why did we sell? sell? Because we were the first and we created a category and the competition was getting really intense and we never raised any money. So we were fortunate enough to kind of really, truly bootstrap that from day one to acquisition. So we never brought any investors in. You know, that's a compromise. It means that you get to keep 100% of your business, but it also means that you didn't get a large infusion of cash to put your foot on the gas pedal to really just blow the shit up. And so some of our later competitors who kind of like really figured out how to do it well, and they had raised money, obviously, and they were putting a lot of dollars behind marketing. And we're like, okay, this is this is definitely heating up. We got to just move as quickly as we can, be as aggressive as we can. One day we got a call from Mr. Howard Schultz from Starbucks. And it was a voicemail, even better than a call. Yeah, we it was a play it like it. a thousand times. <laughs> totally. I mean, and I did keep it for a long time. I was like, let me just make sure I had that right. But he was like, hey, this is Howard Schultz. So I have tremendous respect for your business and I uh, would love to learn more. And I was like, oh, my God, Erica, now we know who the competition is. <laughs> right. You know, it's a very low barrier to entry. Did you, that's why there, was, there were so many of them. They don't all make it, obviously, because it's not hard to sort of keep it and grow it and do it properly. But because there was such a low barrier to entry, it was like, there's a ton of competition, but it's all just a bunch of like noise. Don't get distracted. The question was, who is the big fish that's going to really give us a run for our money? Like, when is Pepsi going to come in? When is Coke coming in? They're right behind us. So it was really when Howard Schultz called from Starbucks and was just, I want to get into this space. And I like Blueprint. And I'm shopping around. I'm about to pick my pony. Are you it? <laughs> and so... There was a courtship process. You know, we had a long conversation with him and his team, and it was fine. He's a lovely person, ton of respect for what he's built. But, you know, at the end of the day, we just discovered this thing called HPP, and we're about to blow up. And so he knew that, obviously. So we were the first to apply HPP to Juice, which made it available in a grab-and-go capacity, so in Whole Foods and a one-off. What is HPP? What is it? So HPP is the sort of way to treat the juice through pressure that doesn't compromise the nutritional integrity of it. So it's not pasteurization. So we didn't apply any heat. That's like the whole thing, how we keep it raw, how it maintains its enzymes and everything else. And but it was literally like a requirement to do something in order to be on the shelves in right. as many stores as we were. It was There was no choice. So yeah. that was what we did. Like everyone at the time, all of our copycats were just sort of copying our direct-to-consumer model with a cleanse program. But Whole Foods was like, hey, we need to get this on the shelves figure it out hmm okay we finally found something it's called hpp and then we were in like a handful of whole foods and then literally the phone rings and it was schultz and we're like we're on the eve of tremendous growth so <laughs> you're gonna have to pay us a lot more than that dude 
you know, he took a crack at it, but I think it just wasn't the right conversation. I it think wasn't the we right knew, time. Like, yeah, yeah. I think we knew we were we were close to where we wanted it to be, but it just didn't feel like I think we knew in our in our heart of hearts that this was not the right conversation. So everybody kind of agreed to disagree and walk mm -hmm. away, and that was totally fine. You know, we knew it was time. I mean, in answer to your question, just in a general sense, we didn't really see this as being just a mom and pop operation until you know whenever it was. It was never, and which I think some companies go into any. Kind of space and they launch a business because they just want to have something and own it and run it and that's amazing and i have much respect we felt like that's not our mo and we see this as being really big and scaling and it's going to be a matter of time before we take on the right partner or we turn it over to somebody completely and based on you know the the conversations that were triggered after starbucks essentially put us into play that was the dance that, that developed out of all of it and it, it took us a minute to arrive at where we where we wanted to be and thought, okay, well, if we're going to do it, this is the time to do it. We, we don't have time to, to wait it out. So we kind of, the answer is we kind of had to do something based on the fact that we now know who's, who's out there and who, you know, who our competition is. You know, we needed a partner. We needed a bigger fish to partner up with. And we landed on Hain. You know, there are only so many conglomerates, right? It's like, you like your PepsiCo and your Coke and your Hain Celestial. And so it felt like a nice fit because they did like all healthy brands and all that good stuff. So... So how'd you guys we celebrate? Sold. How did we celebrate? It didn't feel that celebratory because we tried. We tried, like the two of us <laughs> tried to go to a restaurant and it, we were like, let's have some champagne and like whatever. And then at the moment, there was this crazy internal transition happening and we had 120 employees. Shit. They are going to right. freak out. It was bittersweet. It was bittersweet. And they don't totally know that this isn't bad news for them yet. Right. right? right. So we were still in this mindset of this was a great thing that's happened, but there's going to be a lot of emotional cleanup. However, I will say there was some champagne. <laughs> and there, I mean, there were multiple opportunities to drink some champagne. But also Zoe gave me this gift, which I still wear to this day, Aww. which is this beautiful signet pinky ring that has BPC engraved on the front. Front, and the date that we sold on the back, and she has one too, and I like to refer to it as our disengagement ring. <laughs> but it was a lovely gesture, and I think you know the right way to commemorate the moment. Right. So I appreciate that. Well, Aww. it's interesting. You're making me think when you're talking about okay, our employees don't know that this is necessarily bad news, good news, whatever. You guys had created a culture in your own business because you guys didn't come from a corporate place. You right. came from like slinging drinks and being in the trenches. Right. Like, in the trenches side side. with yeah. the busboys and the you, the cooks and, you know, all of that. So yeah. when you guys had this very successful business, I mean, I will say just from an outside, I'd been to your holiday parties and you really knew how to take <laughs> care of your own. So, yeah, I can see that bittersweet. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah. That's nice. Well, I think yeah. that was. I mean, we really did love that staff and they were with us. So many of them were with us from day one, yeah. you know, just washing the produce and cutting and chopping and prepping and side by side with all levels in the kitchen, all levels of sophistication and job training and whatever. And they really were the backbone of that entire business. And they were so dedicated and so loyal and so happy to be there. And I think that was certainly a testament to them. But I would like to think it was a testament to us because we really did try to create that culture where everybody is, you know, genuinely happy to be doing the work they're doing because they know that we're doing good things and healthy things and people working in that kitchen that had never seen a green juice in their life became like huge, you know, adopters. And oh, we had like marriages and like we all did. of our employees. We had blueprint we babies. Had, we had blueprint <laughs> babies. We, there were so many relationships formed. 
My brother included. It was nice. So yes, to that point, it was it was bittersweet and trying to figure out how to sort of strike that balance between our perceived success and what they were perceiving to be, you know, maybe potentially a job threat and all of that. So, but it didn't stop us from drinking champagne. <laughs> no. Yeah. So why did you guys decide to start a podcast? podcasting in general, I feel like, you know, we're seeing some really exciting moves in this very relatively new space. So it's kind of always fun to be feeling like you're getting in, maybe not on the ground floor of something, but at least on like, you know, the mezzanine level. <laughs> and we, I think both of us, you know, we were heads down for so long with Blueprint and with products and projects that were very singular in focus, where we kind of look around and see that the wellness world has just expanded and exploded and some good, some not good in terms of the way that things are kind of progressing. And we felt like, okay, we obviously need to keep the band together because we can't function without each other at this point in our lives, which is fine. You have all those empty holes. <laughs> all those empty <laughs> holes to fill. Um, oh. And we felt like, you know, this might be a good opportunity to actually kind of zoom out and look at this community and have a conversation about it and bring other people into that conversation and kind of get people's take on what's happening here and what is this all about. And some of it is exciting and some of it is disturbing. And in many ways, we feel like we worked really hard to earn the respect of people that were followers of the brand and earn our position of authority in this space. We worked so hard also to kind of keep our names and our faces out of the brand very deliberately because we wanted it to live on its own. But now it's like, oh, no, we got to kind of reinsert ourselves into this conversation yeah. or start a conversation that actually has us at the helm. So that's that's what podcasting mm -hmm. is for us. The social media piece is just so interesting to me because the timing of all of this, you know, we obviously had social media eventually with for Blueprint and everything else. But again, like we wanted the brand to be a strong brand. We didn't want to be like known as the two juice girls or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, so it was very much strategic. But on the flip side of that, it's who's behind that brand that created this category that sparked this other category in this larger conversation. So it's kind of crazy to have had a huge hand in that. And then now to be like, fast forward post acquisition to be like, wait a minute, how come we're not having a conversation about this evolving category? Why don't we take this opportunity and comment on everything mm -hmm. that's happened as opposed to sort of like get in the race and like jump on the hamster wheel with everybody else because everyone's on that damn wheel. Yeah. Because everyone is now an expert because they're social media. So it's kind of like this, let's zoom out. Let's let them all be experts on social media. Let's see what everybody's coming up with and take advantage of the fact that we don't have to create a product right now. You know, we're, we're not so focused on the tangible. I think we want to be a little bit more focused on the question of just like, what is it? What's happening? Because it's expanding so quickly and, and, and it's grown tremendously. And I think it's getting into like some dangerous territory, but also some great territory. Yeah. So I think the other piece about podcasting that's really interesting is that it's all, you know, storytelling. And I think especially with, I mean, you could say this about a number of different categories and industries, but I think people who start a business in health and wellness or in food or in both really do have a story to tell. And there's often a very kind of authentic founder story, or you would hope that there's a very authentic and really meaningful reason behind why somebody's putting a product into the world. And those are the stories that I think are worth listening to and sharing. So I think that's also another another exciting thing about having this kind of format. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are both what I call camera ready. You, you're so beautiful and on and you're really, 
you could put yourself like front and center, but I remember you being very kind of adamant with Blueprint of it being a brand. And it seems like today, if Blueprint were to exist, you don't really see any. I don't know of any wellness companies. Everybody's, it's like the cult of personality. Everybody's putting themselves first. Uh, they, every, yeah. Everyone is the story and the right. product is second. If it were today, we'd be in some fucking handstands on a beach in a bikini. That's for sure. <laughs> <Right>. Totally. <laughs> I thank God we're not. Insta. Right. It's like, it's not Kleenex. It's like, Annie's and Brad's and, you know, it's like everyone's name and their story. It's like Mary's. Mary's. It's like, oh, God. So what you see from the industry now and all of these things that are coming out, you use the word disturbing. You talked about some of the, like some of the stuff that's great, some of the stuff's not so great. What bothers you about the industry or what are some trends that you roll your eyes at and what excites you? Without necessarily naming names, and I don't yeah. even think that names w would present themselves to me immediately. I think it's Oprah. more. <laughs> yeah, she's fucking it up for everyone. Um, no, I think that I applaud any entrepreneur who wants to put something into the world and you know, kind of make a contribution. But what disturbs me is when I feel like it's very evident that a brand is there because they see that there's an opportunity to make money and not because they really feel like this is something that the world needs to see and experience. And I think that that luckily is usually pretty evident. So the transparency, you know, you don't really have to look very hard for it to see like, oh, that brand is legit and they really believe in what they're selling. And that one is a total copycat and they're just trying to make a quick buck riding their coattails. So, you know, that's a little disturbing. And I think that especially in wellness, it can be a very slippery slope in telling people how to be healthy and be their best and do everything right. And then it gets a little judgy where like, if you're not doing all these things, then you may as well do none of them. And that's where I feel like you kind of get into some dicey territory. And, you know, my eyes have been open as well. Like I'm no longer a raw foodist. I obviously like understand and appreciate what it does for some people, what it did for me, what it can do for me if I need to sort of like apply it again. But it's not a one size fits all. And I think right now, because we have all of these experts and everyone has got a, you know, they have their own way of doing things, right? So it's like, you should adopt this diet and you should be eating these five things and you should be avoiding these five things. And this is the best way to exercise. And you should actually be meditating for four to five minutes every morning, twice a day. It's endless. But it's, I think we're all oversimplifying this shit right now. Like it is complicated and it is very specific to the person. So it's Time out. Like, not everyone should be having a matcha latte every morning. You know what I mean? Like, just stop. It's just too, it's too much. And I think it's, it's too simple. Raw food is not right for everyone. It isn't. So for some people, it's very bad. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it just so happened. It made me, it was, it was okay for me. You know, I think if you want to cook the hell out of your vegetables, that's legit too. For some people, it works for them. And, you know, Ayurvedic, like sometimes that, that enhances the nutrients. When we started Blueprint, what excited me was enzymes and pH and being alkaline and disease can't thrive in an alkaline body. That was my experience. And that was based on my education at the time. But I would like to think that I've since further educated myself. And I'm like, oh, OK, that's not all there is to it. Like there are other factors involved here. Let's talk about lectins. Let's talk about all these other things. That's what frustrates me right now in this whole wellness sort of landscape is that everyone is very is being very sort of narrow in their view. And I guess it's necessary in some ways because we're living in like an Instagram world. This is my day. This is what I ate. This is what I drank. This is what I did. So check, 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 check. Mm -hmm. Do that. I don't have the space to get into anything deeper than that or explain <laughs> anything further. But based on these four thumbnail images, you should drink this, 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 and this, and do a handstand later. <laughs> that is what frustrates me at the moment. Mm -hmm. 
You guys say that your podcast is about changing the way that you talk about health and wellness. You want to talk about things that people aren't talking about. How are you changing the conversation? What does that mean? I think that we're not afraid to disagree. I think we're not afraid to call bullshit on some stuff. I think we're changing the conversation in that, like, the medium is the message. Honestly, it's that we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that is, like, the biggest – that's why this is so attractive because conversations aren't being had through social media. You can't mm. go as deep as you need to in this format. Like, yeah. it's just not going to allow for, like, the conversation that needs to be had. So, you know, I think just by nature of the fact that we are literally using our words, we are not limited we by We are time. actually literally doing social media. Right. right. <laughs> we are socially engaging. I see you in front of me. We are talking about shit. We're not restrained by, like, characters or images right. or anything else. You're just, just trying <laughs> just our producer. What are you guys working on for yourselves? What are you trying to incorporate? What are you... Uh... Oh, personal. Yeah. Is too personal? Too much? No, no. no. That's okay. why we're talking. We want to get into it really close. <sighs> I am breastfeeding. So... Sexy. That's really hot. <laughs> so sometimes... Yeah, I'm just... I can't even share all the gross things that happen. But <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> What's happening there? Um, So I'm weaning a baby off my teat. And I have found that experience to be very depleting in many ways. And it's also very restrictive. Like, you can't do a lot of things. And, like, especially postpartum, there are a lot of, like, in terms of physical exercise, there are a lot of things that I can't do yet because, you know, she broke me. <laughs> so I, I'm, like, really excited to get back to some kind of physical something. Dear God, I need to, like, sweat and sort of in terms of what I'm consuming, I'm really excited about lectins. That's my latest sort in of... In terms of avoiding them. Yeah. <laughs> I am like, so excited about not eating all this food with lectins. Yeah, so I'm. that's been like a, my, my most recent... Oh, my God. This is why my mouth itches when I eat almonds. <laughs> Damn, I've like, I'm cracking a code here. And I find the whole kind of grain-free movement sort of interesting because I do feel like it makes a difference. I mean, I was gluten-free for a while, and then this is kind of taking it a step further, and I do feel different. I feel like my energy is different. My digestion is different. I'm like super focused on digestion pretty much all the time ever since my stomach exploded. So that's like a whole other thing. Yeah, I like to do a little PSA about don't take Advil unless you really fucking need it because bad things can happen when you're least expecting it. So that's been my journey. I think you should get into that at some point because that's a fascinating Yeah, thing. that's that's a, I would I would have that conversation with a doctor. I think there's probably yeah. some <laughs> malpractice conversations to be had somewhere in my past if I really wanted to go dig into stuff because I was misdiagnosed like three times. But yeah, I think that's probably a different conversation. But point being, like, that actually kind of woke me up more than going on my original sort of experiment road and, and learning about juice and learning about raw and all of that. And ever since, you know, that incident, I've found that raw food is actually not great for me. And, like, I need to be eating more cooked things. And I like cooking, so that's good. We both like soup. Really, well, I was about to say, <laughs> and, like, soup is actually the best thing I could be eating. Unfortunately, now it's getting nice weather, so it's a little hard to uh, consume as much soup as I'm supposed to eat. Like gazpacho, it's just like salsa. I know. You need I feel chip. the same way. You guys are so yeah. wrong. I just had the wrong gazpacho. Mine no. is fucking good. No. Anyway, you say tomato, I say gazpacho. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. I love hearing it. Thank What's you, guys. Here? I'm just You're getting I'm ready to I nurse. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I want to come out. <laughs> boobs are calling. Oh my god, my shirt is unbuttoned. <laughs> <laughs> we just got real sexy in here. Um, who wants to see my nursing bra? <laughs> Uh, anyway, Jordan, 
thank you for asking us questions thank about ourselves. You guys, I love it. Um, <sighs> all right, well, you have fun with your spontaneous conversation yeah. to come. Thanks for listening to Highway to Well. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Highway to Well Podcast. Or if you have more time to hang out with us, check out our product reviews, send us your ideas for guests or topics, and learn more about our guests at highwaytowellpodcast.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app.